Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Morning, Taylor and Jen. That's the story of my life. Plowing into all the dumb spaces. The Taylor Hohulan story. One guy, so pro-government, just all into the government, that his family and friends were like, we can't even with you. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we're actually kind of tired of you because yeah. he was so pro-government to the point where he decided to just go work with the government. Then there was the other guy. He was part of a literally at times militant anti-government group, like so anti-government, the same government that the other guy was pro-government. These two men, two completely different passions in life. Could have even called them enemies. In today's climate, we definitely would have, wouldn't we? Yeah. They actually laid aside those differences to follow one common cause. And that common cause was Jesus. I had never put this together, but someone pointed out, okay, Matthew, we all know, was a tax collector. And that was, you know, in general, you know, you're being occupied by the Romans. Here's Mm -hmm. somebody collecting all the money for the people who were like basically enslaving you. And then you have Simon, who was called the Zealot. And the Zealots were a like militant overthrow the government by any means necessary group. Mm hmm. And Jesus invites both of them to follow him, and they do it. And they don't just do it. They laid aside their differences. They walked alongside each other for the next three years, and they grew to love each other because they had one important mission that was more important than all of their previous passions. And that, to me... There are so many things that I try to use to divide myself from other people, that culture tries to use to divide us. But it's this reminder that when you have Jesus in common, he is more powerful than any of your differences. When I was growing up in Sunday school, you know, the flannel boards. I love where they have, and they've got the cartoon characters. I never really thought about like they had things that they cared about passionately. And not all of them just agreed about the same thing. And it just, it just blows my mind thinking about Jesus inviting into his inner circle a tax collector who is super pro government and a zealot who is like basically trying to overthrow the government. And somehow they all united for a common purpose. Taylor. We say constantly right here all the time that God doesn't waste anything. And we also say he doesn't do anything by accident. Yeah. Do you think that maybe he chose Matthew and Simon two polar opposites from different sides of the aisle? Do you think that maybe he did that for a reason and a reason that is true today? To put it in today's vernacular, this is like an Occupy Wall Streeter and a Tea Party Patriot working together side by side like bros yeah. to support one mission. These two guys worked side by side. They sat in the boat with Jesus when he calmed the storm. I mean, think about it. They watched him be terrorized by the Pharisees, doubted yeah. by some people. They watched him heal people side by side. These two gentlemen from either <laughs> side of the aisle. And they put those differences aside and they stood behind Jesus. Sadly, chances are you've been part of some sort of conflict in church. 
It is very difficult to be unified nowadays. Maybe it was over something as simple as the color of the carpet <laughs> or how early to start the first service. Ah, those were the days. <laughs> Maybe it's about something a lot more serious. Mm-hmm. But when God tells us to be unified, he doesn't just tell us. He gives us examples. Oh, yeah. I want Taylor. Tell me the story again. I love it. I love when Taylor tells this story because it's a true biblical account that I never thought of this way. Tell us the story of the Church of Philippi. It's one of the very first churches we read about in the Bible. And the first member was a woman named Lydia. And she wasn't even from Philippi. She uh, she migrated there from what's kind of modern day Turkey. Mm -hmm. And she became a very successful businesswoman. So you've got an immigrant businesswoman as the first member of this church in Philippi. Well, Paul and Silas show up, and while they're ministering there in Philippi, they meet a woman who is possessed by a demon, enslaved to some very abusive and exploitative men. And Paul and Silas cast the demon out of her. And rescue her. And rescue her out of slavery. She becomes member number two of this church. Now, member three comes in a really unexpected place. Because as the authorities get really mad at Paul and Silas for messing with their slave system, they throw them in jail. And when they're in jail and God miraculously breaks them out, they come across a Roman jailer. He says, what must I do to be saved? You guys have something really special going on. And so you have this church that's formed by an immigrant businesswoman a freed slave girl and a blue collar government worker that used to be keeping people in jail. I love it. And if they could find a way to unite, yes. that's so inspiring to me. Have you ever like kicked over an ant pile and you start seeing ants and then you realize the ants are everywhere? The more you see them, the more you see them. Yeah. And that to me is kind of what unity is like in the Bible. Huh? Like once you see your first instance of God championing unity, it starts popping up everywhere oh, okay. and you realize how much he cares about it. Yeah. And it even shows up in the ministry of Jesus. My brother showed this to me. You start in John 3, and you get this kind of sequence where Jesus encounters something, talks to his disciples, encounters something, talks to his disciples. And the people he encounters are so different, but he sees all of them. So it starts with Nicodemus, who mm-hmm. is like a high-ranking Pharisee official, and he like meets him in the dead of night because he's embarrassed to be seen with Jesus. Right. The next person is a Samaritan woman he meets at a well. Yeah. And this is a woman who's been marginalized and looked down on because of her race. Mm. Next, Jesus bumps into this high-ranking Roman official whose son is sick. Wow, yeah, he's covered almost all the bases. And then he goes to a pool and meets a disabled man. <sighs> so the religious elite, the ethnic minority, the politically powerful, and the physically disabled and disadvantaged are all seen and loved and cared for by the King of Kings. It is amazing what you find out about your coworkers when you stand around and talk for a little bit. Yeah. I've been working with these people here at Life 107.1 for a long time, and I love them all very much. But yesterday I found out something about one of my, one of my friends and coworkers mm-hmm. that left me a little surprised. Our dear friend Luann who's not here right now, but she usually has the office right next to us. I think she might actually be downstairs at the gym. She said that when she goes home at the end of a day, she changes right into her PJs. And you didn't you didn't really approve of that, did well, you? Well, I was just like, what? I mean, what? What? Like, like right away, you change into your pajamas? And she was like, yeah, if I don't have to go out, I'm done for the day. Yeah. So I just 
change into my PJs so that later on when I'm time for me to go to bed, I don't have to worry about changing again. Just roll right in. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, you basically spend the whole evening in your house, whatever, making dinner and all that stuff in your PJs. That's pretty comfortable. I- <laughs> Jen, I'm sorry. I'm I'm with Luann on this one. Do you change into your PJs right away when you get home after a day of work? I would say not necessarily right away, but there's no transitional work clothes to home casual to bedtime. It's basically once I get home and I change out of work clothes, it's into something comfy. Huh. Because why have a transitional at-home wardrobe when you're just going to be at home the whole time? Well, I guess, I mean, in case you have to go outside and get the mail, or if you have to take the trash can out, or if you have to be around other people. Jen, that is my neighbor's problem. (laughs) I mean, I always thought that you would change into, like, being at-home clothes, more casual clothes, and then before you went to bed, change into your PJs. But I've got friends right here with me in this studio (laughs) that I work with, too, who skip that whole part, and they go right to the PJs. What do you do, Bryce? I do put my pajamas on when I get home. You do? Yes. And I lounge about in my PJs. I lounge about. That's what PJs are for. They're for lounging. Yes. Bryce over here living the fancy life. Yeah. For Christmas, I asked for hoodie pajamas. Yes. Footy pajama onesies? Yes. Zip it all the way up to your chin. You pretend you're one of where the wild things are. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? No. You go home after work and and you peel off those uncomfortable work clothes and then you zip your way up in a red fuzzy onesie. Oh, my word. But then you can slide on the hardwood floor. Those are the good days. No, you can't. Not with the bottom of those footy pajamas. They oh. make those so that you can't skid. When you have the off-brand, they don't have the skid protectors. <laughs> the off-brand. I had a great value one, Z-Gen. All right, so do you wear transitional clothing when you get to home, or do you go right to the PJs? When I come home, because I have to dress up so much for my work, I get into my pajamas that are long pants. And then when I go to bed, I put in my pajamas that are short. So you go like pajama stage one, pajama stage two. Amen. Yes. Because <laughs> I never know who's going to come to the door and I don't want to be wearing shorts. So I throw yeah. my long pajamas and then before I go to bed, because <laughs> I don't want to get hot, I put on my short pajamas. Do you realize that you're literally telling me that you have formal pajamas and informal pajamas? <laughs> well, there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You can't be seen in your informal pajamas. <laughs> People need to think of you in those formal PJs. I think we call those loungewear. Oh, loungewear. Loungewear. Do I look like somebody who would own loungewear? Why do you ask me questions like that live? I mean, seriously. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? I was just curious to see your reaction. <laughs> you didn't disappoint. Well, so far you haven't disappointed me, Jen. High <laughs> praise. I'm not disappointed yet. <laughs> Mornings with Taylor and Jen. <laughs> you learn these things about your coworkers and you're like, what? That's a little interesting. Found out yesterday that several <clears throat> of my coworkers, especially this time of year, when they go home and they're done for the day, they change right into their PJs. Like right away. Like they do dinner in their PJs yeah. and they do life around the house in their PJs or their sleepwear. I always thought that you 
changed into like transitional clothes. That's when you just got making home. more laundry, Jen. We don't need more laundry. Well, I mean, I just thought the PJs were for sleeping. PJs weren't for hanging out in the house. What do you do about it, Debbie? It really depends on my schedule. Okay. If I have errands to run, then I change into my transitional clothing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, after a long day of work and so forth, I want to be comfortable while I'm running those errands. Okay. Otherwise, it's into pajamas. I've got to get comfortable. Straight okay. to the PJs. If I have to run errands, then of course I'm not going to run those errands in pajamas. Oh, you're not. You won't? No, no. The world is not ready for that. <laughs> if you had to choose one word to describe the last, oh, I don't know, seven months. Oh, please don't make me do that. One word? <laughs> I don't know what, what you'd choose. I think mine would be contentious. Oh, like it just it just feels like I'm moving through tension everywhere. Yeah, it's like every day you got to stand up and and put your dukes up. And I got to be honest, hasn't been great for my anxiety. No. Um, Fortunately, God has put a really good uh, psychologist in my life Mm -hmm. and he's made really smart people to make medicine to help. Mm -hmm. And even more than that, he's given me his word. Yeah. And you've heard so often that the phrase, do not fear, appears in the Bible actually way more than 365 times. Like but it's at least 365 times. All over the place. But what I didn't know that I heard in church, almost every time you see do not fear in the Bible, it's followed by a reminder of God's promises or his character. Hmm. And so I did an exercise yesterday. You did? I set a timer for 10 minutes, and I just went on Google and looked for every verse I could that said, don't be afraid, do not fear, don't be anxious, anything like that. And I collected all of the promises and reminders that I could find. So I've pared them down to some of my favorites. Look at you. He's even got them written down. got them written down. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. I am your shield. I am with you. I am the first and the last. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is coming to your rescue. The Lord God himself will fight for you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He cares for you. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your prayer has been heard. The Lord has done great things. And one of my personal favorites, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Tis the season. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be happier. This is the weekend. Taylor and I get to judge comfort food. We will judge fairly and justly and extravagantly. (laughs) Enthusiastically. I'm going to judge all that food so much. But, you know, it brings up a good question. If you were going to a comfort food bonanza, Mm -hmm. what food would you expect to be there? Tatsanya. What? Tell me about Tatsanya. Tatsanya? Like tater tot lasagna? Yes, she is tater Instead of lasagna noodles. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Why am I just now hearing about this? That's amazing. Because <laughs> I just found it a couple months ago in the High V Seasons magazine. Tell us about it. You make it the same as lasagna. It's your basic lasagna recipe, but you substitute tater tots 
for the lasagna noodles. My mouth is literally watering oh right now. Oh, my goodness. Just imagining this. Every bad day I ever had just got erased hearing you say that. <laughs> you have got to try it. I'm oh, going to. I'm planning on Don't it. Don't worry. <laughs> What's the comfort food that you would be, you just expect to be there? I mean, when you think of comfort food, it's like the paragon of all comfort foods. Especially at our family dinners, it has to be homemade chicken and noodles. Chicken, chicken and, and noodles. noodles. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. Tell me how chicken and noodles come about in your house. What's the recipe? It has to be the homemade noodles where you use flour, egg, and water, and you mix up the dough, and you roll it out on the counter, and you cut the noodles thin. Wow. Wow. You don't even use uh-huh. reams. You go, I mean. Oh, no. Those are noodles. Oh, <laughs> I thought those were the good noodles. Those are noodle wannabes. <laughs> wow. You, like, seriously make the noodles. I don't, but somebody else <laughs> in the family does. <laughs> Do you put the yep. chicken and noodles with gravy over mashed potatoes? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, you know, yeah. And, and, and not a box of mashed potatoes. Potatoes. Okay, yeah, real potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like they do real things po- real. Real potatoes, real noodles. Okay. <laughs> and a real chicken. A real chicken that you cook in a real stock pot. <laughs> <laughs> We're so happy because we're talking about comfort food. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like our favorite thing in the whole world. And we know you love comfort food. So we want to know if you were going to a comfort food smorgasbord, what food would you expect to be there? If we're going to be truly honest, the very, very, very best comfort food that I could ever possibly imagine is food that I didn't have to make (laughs) or clean up. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's all. That's all. When I don't have to make it, honestly, even if it doesn't taste good, if somebody loved me enough to make it and they're excited, I am all in. You know what? Yeah. I'm with that. Yeah, I mean, with some exceptions, you know, like anything with cilantro in it. This is the benefit of being a human (laughs) trash compactor. You don't care. It doesn't matter what's on it. If it's free and I'm not cleaning up, I'm happy. Is there any food you don't like? Any. I mean, I don't care for peas. Oh, that's right. We don't like peas. But you know what? If someone made peas for me, I would be comforted by them. How about those greenish brown peas from a can? Greenish brown peas from a can? (laughs) I wouldn't be quite as comforted, but I would eat them. You would? Wow. I'm a pleaser, Jen. No, you are. You're a... I'm a peaser. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to say it because it was so dumb. And you just plowed right in. That's the story of my life. Plowing into all the dumb spaces. The Taylor Hohulin story. I think we've all heard the story, Dr. Heidi, about, you know, the duck on the water that looks like everything is calm. But underneath their little feet are like, ah. How's that again? (laughs) Ah. I think many of us have learned to put on a good face and go about our everyday life. But our thoughts inside are going Mm. crazy. Yes. I mean, it's like that any time. And yeah, 2020 has been bad, but we often get captive by these thoughts. Yep. And this year does seem to be harder than most. We do. And I think sometimes what's surprising is that those thoughts aren't always worrying about what's happening in our culture. Sometimes those anxiety thoughts turn into overreacting to the people that we love in our household, or they turn into maybe unrelated worries, like health-related fears and anxieties, or the fear of getting in a car accident. That's out of proportion to how most people think about those types of worries. Because when our body is stressed and our mind is holding onto that tension, it can go crazy. It can have racing thoughts that may or may not be related to what it is 
that's actually fueling that stress. Is it called stinking thinking by some people? Have you heard that I phrase? Love that. I know it's great. Stinking yep, stink thinking. thinking. Yeah. Yep. And if you yep. think that way, your body will react that way. But I mean, we've been told by the Lord to capture those thoughts and throw them away. Absolutely. And the first thing is to recognize what's going on. And my cue for myself is when I have too many exclamation points, right? (laughs) When I'm like, I can't believe it. Are you kidding me? What in the world? (laughs) Right? Like any of those sorts of thoughts that are like bigger than normal or, or if I'm responding to someone, I'm like, they did what? Like it's a caricature of who they are, right? Like it's not actually just who they are. You're blowing something out of proportion. That's a sign that like, wait a minute, maybe need to check and see what's, what's going on. I love that. Too many exclamation points. Too many exclamation exclamation points. Right. So then, so you want to catch those thoughts and do some reality testing. Okay. Does this really merit the reaction that I'm having? Is this really a three exclamation point situation? Or maybe it's like a semicolon, right? Like maybe I just need to like take a breath and then finish that thought in a different way. Mm -hmm. And just check that and say, okay, wait a minute. Is this coming from my own stress and anxiety and angst that's just been brewing and is now overflowing onto the people that I love? And if so catch that thought. Nope. It's not that big of a deal. Nope. I can handle that. Deep breathing also really helps. Deep right? breathing. Can we do that? <laughs> look, 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 look. Just saying it. It's like, have you ever driven home from work and realized that you don't think you've taken a deep breath all yep. day long? Oh, you've just yeah. been doing this. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah that shallow long. breathing. Yep. yep. And then my shoulders end up up to my mm-hmm. ears and I'm walking around like mm-hmm. I have no neck. Right. So taking a deep breath, moving your shoulders. And even if you put all your tension in your neck, stretching under a hot shower. That's a little bonus tip. Oh, wow. Right. Kind of get those muscles loose. And then if your muscles feel more relaxed, you feel more relaxed. So it becomes a vicious kind of feedback loop. If you can relax your body, you can relax your mind. If you can relax your mind, you can relax your body. When you think about it. You probably do eat about the same number of Oreos every time you encounter a package. I had to think about it a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it's true. I do. I have a thing that I do with Oreos. It's the same amount almost every time. And we're just curious. How many Oreos do you eat in one sitting? A big glass of milk and six of them. Any more night and then get the Oreo sugar sweats. Once you get to the sweats, you know you've gone too far. That's when your awesome. sideburns start sweating, that's the Oreo sweat. <laughs> <laughs> your sideburns. Oh, that's great, Don. Thanks for calling. You bet. Y'all have a wonderful and blessed day today and every day. There are really important things for you to think about mm-hmm. in the next couple of days. This isn't one of them, but it's fun. <laughs> it's totally fun and absolutely applicable to our lives. How many? How many Oreos do you eat in one sitting? Well, my son says five. Okay. How old is your son? He's going to be 10 tomorrow. Oh, oh what's cool. his name? Shooter. Happy birthday, Shooter. So he says you got to put a fork in the middle of the white filling and then put it in the milk. Yes. Oh! You don't have to touch it. <laughs> That's important in 2020. It's contact-free Oreos. <laughs> You do it unconsciously sometimes. You just walk up and you do what you do. But stop and think about it. Hmm. How many Oreos do you eat in one sitting? Normally, I just sit down and I try to eat the entire row. You just try? A row? 
The entire row. The entire row. I usually get the three long rows yeah. and I eat the entire row usually. So as far as you're concerned, an Oreo package represents three sittings. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> that's, yep. that's a lot of Oreos. I like Zach. It. That's what Taylor does. That's what I do, but but usually not on purpose. <laughs> You're, you're determined. I'm impressed. Oreos are like my favorite treat. Yes. Oh, you and Taylor have oh, something in common. We get along really well, Zach. Have you ever wanted something that was good? Really, really, really bad. And you just know that it's the right way to go. Have you ever wanted something like that? And you just, you just didn't understand why God didn't give it to you. I don't understand why God moved me away from my mom and dad. You know, one of the things about, and you get this too, as a, oh, yeah. as a transplant, you know, to Iowa, you look around you here in Iowa and so many families live here, grow up here, stay here. Mm-hmm. They have these giant communities. Still friends with their high school buddies. Yes. And it's so, I just, sometimes I just, I envy that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not saying I don't have a ton of friends. I love Iowa. I love Iowans. But especially when I first moved here, I just didn't feel very connected. And my mother and father talked for years about potentially moving out here because, well, I have the only grandkids. Mm -hmm. So I would set dad up for the possibility of getting a job here. And he would go through the interview process. And a couple of times he got like into a top tier. Mm. And then he wouldn't get it. And then it would happen again and get my hopes up. And then he wouldn't get it. And this went on for a period of like 10 to 12 years until finally my mom and dad had to tell me, Jen, we don't think that it's God's will for us to move to Iowa and be near you. But I need your help, mom and dad. And I miss you, mom and dad. And I need you, mom and dad. And I just had these conversations with God. I was like, why don't you want my parents to why don't you want me near my parents, God? Mm. I don't understand it. The one time that I've ever felt like I could hear God say something out loud was during one of those conversations. And he was like, haven't I always taken care of you, Jen? And maybe it's not about you, Jen. Fast forward all these years later. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need help. I have an amazing community. But you know who needs their community and who needs to be where they are? My parents. Mm. My parents needed to stay where they were. My parents needed my sister and her community to take care of them in these years. It wasn't all about my good. God looked and said, Jen, you're going to be okay. But your parents, your parents are the ones that are going to need to stay there. And don't worry. I'll make sure it's good. Think it's a good day for God stories. Just that reminder that no matter what's going on, God is in control. I was a young, struggling single mom, and I was praying to God. I needed money, and it was around Valentine's Day, and money was tight. My daughter had been sick, and I just needed some money. And and I get a Valentine's Day card from my mother, and it had been forwarded to an address out of state that I didn't even have my address forwarded to. And I called her and I said, Mom, I said, thank you. Thank you for the money. And she said, what money? And I said, in the Valentine's Day card. And she said, I sent that last year. (gasps) Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Are you serious? Dead serious. Oh, my gosh. I have so many goosebumps right now. That's amazing. (laughs) I know. It's like God knew I needed it then. We had a pretty solid five-year plan in place. Who's we? 
Me and my wife, Lindsay. Oh, okay. I was working for a radio station that mm-hmm. I, I really liked. I really believed in the mission. I thought we were doing some really unique things. And Lindsay was starting out applying for medical schools. And at the time, we were living in Texas. And Texas medical schools have to have a certain percentage of Texas residents. So we thought, okay, it's like in the bag sure. that Lindsay's going to get into a Texas medical school. So I've got this job. I'm going to get into Texas medical school. And this is what life is going to look like in five years. It sounds like a good, solid plan. Until Lindsay started not hearing back from the Texas medical schools. And she didn't hear back, and she didn't hear back. And then one day, I went into my office, and the owner was waiting in the lobby. Oh, that's not good. (laughs) And all he said was, you guys, there's no easy way to say this. We got to sell the station. Wow. And at first, I literally thought he meant we're just getting a new boss, and he's going somewhere else. But then he started talking about severance. Hmm. And that was when my five-year plan just crumbled. I don't have a job. Lindsay doesn't have any bites on local medical schools. My family's here. My little brother's there who I'm like reconnecting with and building a great friendship with. My mission field was there. And it's all going away. Wow. And then, fast forward a little bit. Lindsay's still applying to medical schools. And she realizes, man, Des Moines University is really highly regarded among uh, DOs, doctors of osteopathy. Mm -hmm. And her family is in the Des Moines area. And there is a radio station hiring (laughs) in Des Moines. I kid you not, the day I applied for my job at Life 107.1, Lindsay got accepted into Des Moines University. I still cry about that because of how happy of a day that was for me. (laughs) My first paycheck at Life 107.1 was two weeks after my last severance check. Wow. I thought that we had the best life plan for us in Texas. And so when God took it away, I was like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And it was because it would make it that much easier to move on to something better. We are so sure that we know everything that is right for our lives. (laughs) You know, we know that he's holy and he's sovereign, but sometimes we're the ones that tell God, hey, this is what should happen. And fortunately, God's a better planner than we are. In the spring of 2013, my marriage was absolutely imploding. We were going through bankruptcy. Everything was a disaster. And because of the bankruptcy, we were losing our home and we needed to move into an apartment of some sort. And there were these apartments that I really wanted to get into. They were a good location for my kids' school, all this kind of stuff. And we applied to those apartments, and we didn't get in. Just they didn't have space. Mm. And we tried again, and we didn't get in. And I'm like, God, come on. Like, this is the right place for us. Just throw me a bone here, because everything else (laughs) is falling apart. Finally, we were up against it from a deadline to be employees, and we moved into these other apartments. Well, fast forward about six months and my marriage does implode and he leaves and I'm just, I'm at the end of my rope and I'm living in these other apartments and I feel all alone. I don't even have a full-time job at this point. I'm working as a substitute teacher trying to make ends meet and I meet this really nice guy while I'm substitute teaching one day. So anyway, long story short, I didn't think anything about it. I met him again. Again, I didn't think anything about it. And ultimately, eventually, we became friends and we started dating. And the twist here that's the God thing is he didn't live in the same apartment complex as me. He lived in the same apartment 
building. No! (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We have now been married for six years. Aww. He is absolutely a blessing from God in every single way. He is what I prayed for. This has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at Life1071.com or on the Life1071 app.